All right. Well, hopefully everybody has some uh, notes in front of you, and there's uh, a few over there, I think. Uh, and so on the corner of the table, if you don't have some, there should be some there. So, um, Well, I want to encourage you, if you would, uh, to begin with this morning, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read um, the, the, the entire chapter, which is 13 verses, and then... Uh, later on in their study uh, this morning, you'll see uh, why it, I think it's a good place for us to start. So Isaiah uh, chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Uh, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Uh, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant. Houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and I will again be subject to burning, excuse me, and it will again be subject to burning, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this uh, Lord's Day where we can come together as a people of God and, and worship Thee and glory in Thee and delight in Thee. And I, I thank you for each one that is here and, um, and just the opportunity that we have to begin by, by interacting with holy revelation, with holy scripture. And I would pray these moments for the help of your Holy Spirit to uh, interact and convey your word in a way that is honoring to Thee and, and in a way that is certainly would be helpful to our own souls and to our own thinking process about your, your providential interaction with people in this world. So we uh, commit this time to you, and we, we pray that you would be honored, you would be glorified, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been uh, looking at chapter 5 um, in the London Baptist Confession of Divine Providence and made reference to uh, Sam Waldron's exposition of the Confession um, the relation of providence to the fact of sin, the relation of providence to the fact of sin. 
And then, as we indicated, paragraph four, or as he indicated, I should say, sin in general. And then uh, paragraph five, sin in the believer. Sin in the believer. God's providence as it relates to sin in the believer. Uh, We noted last week that sin is still an issue for Christians. And then I included in in your notes, this this first page is uh, Chad Van Dixhorn uh, gives, I think, a helpful summary of that particular section. So that's, that's the first page of your notes. Let me just touch on that. Um, he writes, in short, what is the, the reason for God revealing unto us the often hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of our own hearts? Talk about Christians here. As we might expect from the one who is God himself, there's no single reason for this exposure to suffering and to our own sin. God uses it to humble us. He did so for the proud people of Jerusalem and their king Hezekiah so long ago. As Chronicles, excuse me, as Second Chronicles records, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. He also exposes us to temptation and to the spiritual decay of our own hearts in order to raise us to a more close and constant dependence for our support upon himself. He uses these sad times to make us more watchful against all future occasions of sin. In fact, he will do all it takes to keep us walking close to himself and far from sin and for sundry many other just and holy ends some only known to himself and so god sent paul a thorn in the flesh to trouble him lest he should be exalted beyond all measure by the gifts and graces given to him he brought the author of psalm 73 low so that he would properly value the ways and worship of god he used peter's sad denial of his lord and friend uh, to uh, once and to, excuse me to once and for all rid the apostle of his recurring self-confidence, and to make him a more loving shepherd to the great shepherd's sheep. So I just thought that was, that was kind of a helpful summary of the the point of uh, paragraph five that we looked at last week, and then this morning we move to uh, paragraph six. And Jim Renahan, in his work on the confession, he writes, uh, The next article contrasts what has been said about God's providential purposes for his people with his intentions towards the non-elect. This is not a doctrine we enjoy thinking about, but it is important and deserves attention. A title for this paragraph and its doctrine might be God's ways with his enemies. When we understand the doctrine taught here, it is truly frightening There's no possible circumstance that can be worse than incurring the wrath of God, especially when it's a result of the love of sin and the Lord's allowing sinners to go deeper into their unbelief, idolatry, wickedness, and transgression. Uh, Tom Lyon, a pastor in in, in Tacoma, um, has some very helpful notes on the confession. He entitles it, How is Providence Concerned with the Wicked and Godly? How Providence Relates to the Wicked and the Ungodly. And he has the, has the note that all the standard expositions of the confession practically overlook this particular paragraph. Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote, God gives people over to Satan to be exposed to his manifold temptations. God does not allow these things, but positively ordains, it, ordains them. This may be the hardest and most controversial section in the confession. Um, in my own view, and you can kind of evaluate this for yourself as we look at some different texts of Scripture, um, what, what makes a section so hard um, is it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily uh, what is said, but how it comports with how we want God to be. That's what makes it hard. There's a lot of text, and some of what we just read, and it doesn't really comport with what people want God to be, or it doesn't necessarily fit the image of what they would like uh, the God of the Bible to, to be. And that, to me, at least, that's why it is hard. And again, you can you can evaluate that for yourself. 
Um, but the, the section, the, kind of the main point I want to make is that the section helps us to understand God's providential dealings with the wicked and the ungodly and those who reject him. That's where it's helpful. It helps us to understand what is going on, at least to some extent, in God's interaction with the wicked, with the ungodly, those who, excuse me, reject him. Um, so first, in a moment here, I want to read the paragraph. It's divided into six different parts or sentences or statements. And then um, I've included the verses which the Westminster Confession uses to substantiate the particular points that are made. And then uh, you further, you will, you'll notice here that um, I, I underlined uh, and put in italics um, the, the particular part of the verses which they felt support the point that they are making. Now, if you ever looked at a copy of the Westminster Confession, the verses are underneath it. And then the parts of the verse that support the particular point they're making is in italics. And so I did that here, and I also underlined them. And they're, they're close, but they may not be exact, because um, the Westminster Confession uses the King James Version, and I've used the New American Standard Version. And, and so it, it's close, and, uh, but there may be a little bit of, of difference there. So I'm just going to kind of, uh, a couple of things today. Number one, I just want to read the paragraph and kind of work through some of the, substanti the substantiation for it, and then we'll just look at kind of four main points, uh, seeing how our time goes. So to begin with, just notice paragraph six here. As for those wicked and ungodly men whom God, as a righteous judge, for former sins doth blind and harden, from them he not only withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understandings and wrought upon in their hearts, but sometimes also withdraweth the gifts which they had and exposeth them to such objects as their corruption makes occasions of sin, and withal gives them over to their own lust, the temptations of the world and the power of Satan, whereby it comes to pass that they harden themselves even under those means which God uses for the softening of others. Now, what I would have you notice here is the scriptures that substantiate this, this very first sentence. As for those wicked and ungodly men, whom God is a righteous judge for former sins, doth blind and harden, Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Verse 25 and verse 27 are not listed, but I put them there because I think that refers to the former sins. Verse 25 they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Then verse 26, for this reason, because of those sins, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Verse 27, again, is not included, but I think it's helpful. In the same way, um, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And then Romans eleven seven. What what then? That which Israel is seeking for it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it. The rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. Then the second, uh, the second statement, um, from them he not only withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understanding uh, and, and wrought upon in their hearts. And uh, the emphasis here 
is um, withholding grace, withholding grace. And the text is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 4, yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. And then third, um, but sometimes also withdraws the gifts which they had, withdraws the gifts which they had. And the sections of Scripture, we'll touch a little bit more on this, that is used to substantiate this is Matthew 13, 12. Whoever has, to him more shall be given. He shall have an abundance, but whoever does not have, this is, the, this is the point of connection, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And you see the same thing in Matthew 25, 29. Even what he has shall be taken away from him. So that's the withdrawal part. And then um, the next uh, sentence here um, Exposeth them to such objects as their corruption makes occasions of sin. And um, the confession gives two examples of this. Uh, one is Sihon and one is Hazel. Uh, Deuteronomy 2.30, Sihon, king of Heshbon, was not willing to pass for us to pass through the land. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. And the second example would be Hazel. And um, by the way, I'm, just, I'm, I'm kind of going through this. I thought it would just be helpful to touch on these scriptures. And, but you'll probably find, as I have found, you probably have to go back and look at different scriptures and kind of let it percolate through your own soul and kind of look at the relationship between what is said and what is meant here. But anyway, I thought it would be a helpful exercise just to kind of see where the, the framers of the confession are coming from and the particular text that they are using to substantiate the points that they make. So here, the second example is Hazel in 2 Kings 8, 12. Um, and he's speaking to Elijah, the prophet Elisha. Why does my Lord weep? Then he answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the sons of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire, and their young men you will kill with a sword, and their little ones you will dash in pieces, and their women with child you will rip up. Then Hazel said, but what is your servant? who was but a dog, that he should do this great thing. And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will be king over Aram. And then I included this little paragraph from uh, Van Dixhorn. I thought it was helpful to kind of clarify this particular section. He writes, God sometimes also exposes sinners to the sorts of things that only worsen existing vice, making new occasions for sin. Thus Deuteronomy records how God deliberately led his people near the pagan king Sion's territory an action which led Sion into further sin, excuse me, into further sin of forbidding the needy Israelites water, even though they promised to be good customers and pay for every drink. And 2 Kings records how God told the diabolical Hazel, to what we just read, that he would be king over Syria, leading to the murder of his master and a later massacre of Israelites. Well, then the, the next sentence here uh, ends with, the, ends with uh, the number five, and with all gives them over to their own lust, the temptations of the world, and the power of Satan. And then the, the texts that are used to substantiate this are Psalm 81 and verse 11. Uh, but my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. And then 2 Thessalonians 2.10, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth to be saved, and for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Then the, the last uh, sentence 
whereby it comes to pass that they hardened themselves even under those means which God, which God uses for the softening of others. They hardened themselves under the exact same means that God uses for the softening of others. And some of the texts that are used here, uh, Exodus 7.3, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Uh, Exodus 8.15, When Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart, did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Uh, Exodus 8.32, Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul writes, We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To, to the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. Who is adequate for these things? That's a, a pretty amazing statement. To the one, we're an aroma of life to life. To the other, an aroma of death to death. This is to the extent I think he means that we represent the gospel. And because of that, we are life to this person. We are death to this other person. First um, Peter 2, 7, Unto you, therefore, who believe, he is precious. Unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto they also they were appointed. And a couple of verses that we actually already looked at, Isaiah 6, 9. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. And then <clears throat> similarly, Acts 28, 26, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And their ears they scarcely with their ears they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I should heal them. So that's chapter six, and those are at least some of the verses, well, the, all the verses in the confession that are used to substantiate that. So um, in our time remaining, kind of just four, more, four main points here that can be uh, extracted from this particular uh, section that I hope would be helpful. We, we've touched on a couple of these, and one or two on, I'll elaborate just a little bit more on as, as we have time. Um, the first one is when God withholds, when God withhold, withholds, that's the second, um, the second sentence, which says, From them he not only withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understanding and wrought upon in their hearts. And again, Deuteronomy 29.4, Yet to this day the Lord has not given a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Uh, then um, the, the third sentence here, But sometimes also withdraweth the gifts which they had. Withdraweth the gifts which they had. Um, even the, the end of the text, because we've looked at this, even what um, he has shall be taken away from him. Now, you might turn here, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13, where this occurs. To Matthew chapter 13. Um, let's see. And what I would have you notice here um, is this phrase, even what they had has been taken away. It's right at the, uh, the end of verse 12. Um, it occurs in a context where over and over and over the point is made that it's important how you hear. It is important 
how anyone hears. And, and it's in that context. And, and I think the, the point that is being made here is there's an opportunity to hear. And if that opportunity is not improved upon, then there is spiritual destitution. There's an opportunity to hear. And if that opportunity is not improved upon, then there's spiritual bankruptcy. And, and, and if you notice in chapter 13, uh, verse 12, it says, Even what he has shall be taken away. And then notice for th- verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while, while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, this prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you'll keep on hearing but not understand. You'll keep on seeing but will not perceive. And then if you drop down to verse 18, this is the the parable of the soil. And and we see how this, this whole section makes prominent how important it is how you hear. And beginning in verse 19, every single verse, with the exception of verse 21, talks about how one hears. Notice verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... It doesn't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one, excuse me, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky place. This is the man, he hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Verse 22, the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So there's only one who hears the word rightly. They all have opportunity to hear the word, but they don't receive it. They don't, they don't hear it rightly. And just a couple of other texts I think make this point. If you, if you turn to Acts chapter 13, verse 46, Acts chapter 13 and, and verse 46. And again, the, the point I believe being made here is that there's this opportunity to hear, it's not improved upon, upon what's left is spiritual destitution. Notice Acts 13, 44. Uh, the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Now notice verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. So they heard it. Since you, this is their response, you repudiate it and judge for yourself, judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we, we are turning to the Gentiles. I think that's the point that is being made. There's this opportunity to hear the word. They don't improve upon it. We're, we're turning away from you. Uh, Acts 18, verses 5 and 6. 18, verses 5 and 6. But when, when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Then verse 6, But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said, Your blood be on your own heads. I, I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So there's this opportunity to hear the word they don't, so he moves in a, in a different direction. So, um, all right, there you go. Those are some thoughts, at least with, with respect to uh, that, that part of the phrase. Even what he has shall be taken away. You could wrestle with that. I think that's what is being referred to. It's in the spiritual realm. It's not in the material realm. Although some have made the point that there is that principle in the material realm. If you have a gift and you don't use it, what happens? 
you lose it. You lose that ability. So there's some who have made that point. But I think fundamentally this is it's spiritual and it refers to one has an opportunity to improve hearing the word of God. If they don't, then that opportunity is taken away. Okay, then um, number three, uh, when God gives over. When God gives over. Um, and here I'm referring to um, the, the fifth sentence here. And with all, God gives uh, them over to their own lust, the temptations of the world, and the power of Satan. And, and the text that we considered here, Psalm eighty-one, eleven: my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me, so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Um, and the only thing here is I did, uh, I did include, the confession doesn't include Romans chapter 1 in this particular section, but I thought Romans chapter 1 really made the point that this this part of the confession is making, so that's why I included it here. And, and you see here, uh, especially what happens, that the homosexuality is presented as a further departure from God's norm. It's presented in the category, this is God's judgment. This kind of lifestyle is an evidence of, of God's judgment. So, okay. And then uh, number, number four, uh, an, an indifference to the means of God. An indifference to the means of God. And the way the confession puts this, whereby... It comes to pass that they harden themselves under those means which God useth for the softening of others. So uh, turn, if you would, by the way, turn, if you would, back to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, where we started, Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, whereby it comes to pass, they harden themselves under those means which God use, useth for the softening of others. Uh, and just a, a few remarks here I would make on Isaiah chapter 6 that I think is helpful in this particular connection. Uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through, 1 through 13. Verses 1 through 7, Isaiah has this, this great vision of God. And in verse 3, there's a repetition of the term holy. In verse 5, the effect on Isaiah. Woe is me, I am ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips. Verse 8 is his willingness to do God's will in, in light of this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and, and who shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I, <clears throat> here am I, send me. Uh, Joseph Alexander, this should be in your notes, wrote, The assurance of forgiveness produces its usual effect of readiness to do God's will. And Edward Young wrote, uh, here in this matchless passage, we find the reason why so few are willing to serve God. They need, above all, the conviction of sin. Then verses 8-13, Isaiah 6, verses 8-13. Now we have the mission of uh, Isaiah the prophet. Matthew Henry writes, these verses are quoted in part or referred to six times in the New Testament. So I'm, I'm using <clears throat> Matthew Henry's outline here. And he says, number one, uh, that the general, this is based on verse 9. Verse 9 says, he said, Go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. He writes that the generality of people to whom he was sent would turn a deaf ear to his preaching and willfully shut their eyes against all the discoveries of mind and will of God which he had made to them, excuse me, which, which he had to make to them. Uh, Edward Young writes, in most prophetic language, there's likely to be obscurity. This obscurity is removed. The doom of the people is foretold in words that, that cannot be misunderstood. That They're commanded to do the things that will bring about their ruin. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. One author said, not in your notes, even the prophet's preaching is to render them blinder and more insensitive. This is not the kind of text you, you use if you're out of church growth conference. Let me put it that way. Okay. But, it, but it, I, it's here. Okay. <clears throat> Edward Young says, it was not darkness. This, this, I found this to be quite helpful. 
It was not darkness and a famine of hearing the word of God that would destroy the nation. It was light, too much light. It was this very light which would blind the people. And then number two, this is based on verse 10. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Matthew Henry says that for as much as they would not be made better by his ministry, they should be made worse by it. Those that were willfully blinded should be judicially blinded. And then the consequences in verses 11 and 12, <clears throat> they would be utterly ruined. And then in verse 4, yet there is a remnant. There are some who would believe. And that's, that's found in, especially in verse 4. <clears throat> and what I, what I found particularly amazing here is Matthew Henry's statement, as they would not be made better by his ministry, they would be made worse. The word would make them worse. And I, I think the point here, so I have a quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, the same sun which melts the wax hardens the clay. The same gospel that melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. So I, it makes them worse in the sense it reveals what's in them. It reveals their depravity. It's sort of like an x-ray. It doesn't create anything. It just reveals what's already there. And the word has that effect. It, it just makes clear what is already there. Good example um, Acts chapter, early, early chapters of Acts, Peter preaches, a lot of people are saved. You get to Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches, just as good of a sermon, it's the word of God, remember what happened? I mean, the word created, so to speak, this murderous, pharisaical group. They killed him because of the effect of the word. The same word, which has a positive effect on one, hardens the other. The same truth makes some worse. So I, I just thought that was quite... Uh, in, in, insightful. We see this actually, if you, if you start to think through this, you see this a lot of times in scripture where the word stirs things up. The word makes people worse than better in the sense of revealing their depraved nature. So, so this section, I think it's helpful. In it helps to understand God's providential dealing with the wicked, with his enemies, with the non-elect. That's where this section is, uh, is helpful. But um, let us pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for all of Holy Scripture, that you have not left us in the dark. You've given us light as to your character, as to your ways. I pray that what we have considered this morning would be helpful to us. Uh, it would be enlightening to our hearts that we would be those who submit our souls to the authority and the clarity and the purity of your holy revelation. Give us, give us hearts to understand and, and give us um, hearts to be obedient to your word. I pray that the, the time would be helpful to our own souls. And, and Lord, as we would uh, gather together this morning to worship you and to adore thee and to praise thee, and I, I pray that uh, that would be um, edifying to our hearts, that our fellowship would be precious and encouraging, mutually edifying. And so we uh, commit the rest of our time to thee in this day to thee. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.